0: This is Mind Rolling, and I'm back, and I'm back with a very, very special surprise this week because my guest, who's not a guest, he's been the co-host of Mind Rolling through the first well over 100 episodes, and it's David is back, David Silver, so I'm I'm really uh, thrilled to... to uh, To kind of pry him out of this major project that he's on, which uh, you'll hear about in the uh, podcast uh, following this little introduction. But uh, I know a lot of people will be happy to hear Dave again. And uh, I think as he progresses with his book, we'll be able to see him a little bit more, hear him a little bit more. Um, the, and and we tackled a, a really uh, amazing subject topic you remember uh, league of their own with tom hanks many years ago uh, a female uh, baseball team that's what it was about great movie really funny and there's that line that i always loved that this this particular line there's no it, it was there in something happened and, and they dropped the ball or whatever something went amiss and and uh, they were in the dugout and one of the players started crying and tom hanks said there's no crying in baseball and that's what this this talk is about and transpose that to the tibetan culture where apparently There's no tears allowed. There's no crying allowed in the Tibetan culture. I guess because it's so... Well, he even says it, this particular article written by a Rinpoche about one of the great, great Siddha saints of the last... uh, uh, in the last hundred years, anyhow, uh, named Dilgo Kensi Rinpoche, who you've heard about on this podcast, from both David and I. He's one of our favorite uh, lamas. And... uh, and, and he didn't, uh, he left uh, late 70s, early 80s maybe. And this is just a, a wonderful, wonderful um, accounting of uh, just what, the way in which he opened up and allowed his emotions to run freely when it was counter the, cult, the Tibetan culture and what that meant, and uh, just uh, a, just a wonderful article that we uh, we talk about, go back and forth. So I'm really happy to have David back and uh, and having this chat with him. And I hope you all enjoy it. I also have a big announcement for those of you may, may maybe some of you have heard, and I've been talking about this for a year, over a year. Well, about a year, but uh, a year ago, last summer, this past summer, we started a project which uh, came out of an Indiegogo campaign we ran, and it was about getting a uh, smartphone app together that would really fulfill what we thought would be a real practical, down-to-earth way for people to get the kind of reminders and the kind of wisdom from the plethora. Love that word. The plethora of amazing teachers that are on the Heartmind. I'm sorry on the be here now network. The app is called Heartmind app and it brings this the fundamental wisdom of of what we have on the network into our daily lives and and of course it's Ramdas uh, Jack Cornfield uh, and uh, Sharon Salzberg Krishna Das, Joseph Goldstein Lama Surya Das, Chris Grosso Danny Goldberg myself uh, with mind rolling and uh and newly arrived Dale Borglum Ramdev from our old, from the old days back in the day when we were in India who's an expert in transit life transitions and of course we have our uh, features from Featured guests: Roshi Joan Halifax, Mirabai, Star, Gil, Franzdell. I mean, we just have an array of spectacular. See all these big words, these big adjectives, but uh, I really mean it. These are just wonderful, wonderful teachers, and 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 so the Heart and Mind is a, is our comprehensive smartphone hub to cultivate perspectives and methods that will guide us day to day. So and and it just got uh so many different aspects. You can stream any of the podcasts within the app even while you're reading an article. There's a great wisdom page that features search by topic or teacher so you can get some guidance day to day. You want to uh dealing with suffering or de- whatever you might be dealing with or just wanting to know how you can do seva. Uh practices we have a whole practice section which offers guided practices in meditation, chant, mantra, yoga. There's a great uh, chair yoga practice that comes from my beautiful wife, Saraswati Marcus. uh, That uh, She did this great offering. She teaches the yoga at all the big retreats in Maui and has a wonderful studio in Asheville. And uh, search, There's a great search thing. So you search meditations and lessons for your particular mood of that day or wanting a specific method, including a meditation timer. And then you can create your own push notifications for podcasts or articles or schedule a meditation. Wouldn't that be great? Schedule a meditation for 7.30 in the morning or 7. That's kind of my time. And it just streams right in and uh, wakes you up, and there you go, Ramdas or Jack or Sharon will guide you. Lots of uh, fantastic different meditations. And uh, what I'm really proud of is the exclusive teacher course that's in the app, only available as an in-app purchase, and it's cheap. It's like $19.95, not $300. And it's called Life and Balance, and it's uh, we extracted excerpts from many of the podcasts, uh, certainly that David and I did and beyond that, uh, around uh, how we can manage our day-to-day lives and get this wonderful advice, all done extemporaneously. It's not taken from uh, spiritual talks of anybody. It's just us hanging out, asking questions and uh, eliciting responses from all the teachers that uh, it's kind of easy on the ear, as they say. Also, there's a a cute discovery page. You just kind of, little bubbles come up and float across the screen, and you just hit on one. Oh, wow, what's that kind of a thing? So I'm really happy. Uh, This is kind of in beta launch now, meaning it's uh, just the first foray out with the app. We'll be adding different elements as we go along, as we hear from everybody, saying, oh, I like this, but could you do that? Or whatever, whatever advisors you're going to give us, we're going to listen and we're going to keep uh, improving it and have, uh, you know, many different versions as we go along as, as that is the way with apps. So all you do is go to the Apple App Store on your smartphone or your tablet, iPad, and just it's heart, mind, one word. Not two words, one word. And uh, you just go on there and download it. And there you go. You know, you put in your information. You'll, you'll join the list. Uh, you'll get more uh, in- information back from us once you're on the mailing list and all of that. And, but primarily, we really would love to hear from you. So that's it. The HeartMind app is finally here. Uh, What else? I'm gonna go do this one thing. Okay, here's here's my new thing. All right, because uh, I was just talking to some people the other day, some friends, and and they went, "Oh, you mean I, I was trying to prompt them about the Amazon link to get support for the Be Here Now Network," and they said, "Oh, well, what do I do?" Because I buy Amazon stuff every week. I said, "Well, it's simple. You just go out and go to beherenownetwork.com and look up." You'll see the Amazon link, and when you click there, you'll actually see the link. You can actually then go in the link, and the page will open up. It will have our uh, Be Here Now connection, Be Here Now network connection, so that we get, uh, I don't know what it is, 2 3% or something that comes to us that uh, is the greatest way to support what we're doing, because it costs nothing on your side. So he said, oh, well, that's fantastic. Well, how do I do it? So I said, just copy that link that's right there and paste it into your bookmark browser. Is it a bookmark browser? You know, it's got that little thing at the top goes bookmark and add bookmark. And once you get it in there, you never have to do that again. You don't have to do that little act of going to beherenownetwork.com and finding, you know, linking over to the Amazon uh URL and then putting it in the book. Once it's there, every time you need to order something, you just go to your bookmark and hit Amazon and do what you would normally do if you went there uh without our link. But don't go there without our link. Cuz this is really we need the support. We have a uh, th- this has turned out to be a bigger engagement than we thought, folks. So I am encouraging everybody to uh, to to just get that link in the, in the in your bookmark. And further than that, if you can become an ambassador and say to people, "Hey, this is a great resource," the Be Here Now Network now, with the Heart Mind app, just help them to find that. Go to Be Here Now Network and find the uh, Amazon link, and then get it up into their bookmarks. That would be. A great uh, uh ambassadorial effort on your part that would really go a long way, so here's Dave and I I don't know should we call this there's no crying in baseball. I kind of like to do that. Um, the article that it comes from is, is called to Cry or Not to Cry, and you'll hear all about that in in the in this uh, chat with David and I. So, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for the support. Please do send us any comments, you know, directly to the beherenownetwork dot com slash mindrolling page. And uh, I'll see you. Enjoy. Hi, it's Mindrolling. I'm Raghu Marcus, and this is an acid flashback because David <laughs> Silver is here with us. And uh, we're we're uh, I just got him out of this deep deep um, project that he's been in, which uh, is uh, probably one of the most difficult things in the world. Because I did, I'm talking about David's working on a book, and I I just I was writing a blog the other day, Dave, and I I was struggling, and then I thought, what if this was a whole book? I would go out of my mind.
1: Well, that that adequately. But but, but by the way, thank you for letting me be on. And uh, it's great to be here. But uh, that's what's happening to me, going out of my mind. (laughs) It's the hardest thing I ever did. But then, you know, I think about miners in Chile, you know, who are under the ground mining coal. And so, you know, I try and think of them.
0: You get perspective. I try. Perspective, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but just uh, David's been working on a, a book this year, and also, uh, I don't know if you say if I can say it right, but as an adjunct to the book, David has a tremendous amount of just uh, incredible footage from all the way back from when he was the host of the PBS show uh, to uh, current times when he's done work with the likes of Roger Waters. And so that's all going to be part of it. It's a huge project, folks. That's why you haven't heard from data.
1: It's ridiculous. I've edited 117 videos, Uh, completely edited them. Some of them are a minute. Some of them are 45 minutes. Mm. But I've actually done that work. I went through all my archives and found a machine that could transcribe from ancient masters to digital. Ancient masters. That sounds like something else. Uh, But really old, uh, you know, formats. And this little machine just puts them right into the digital part of Final Cut Pro. So it's been a revelation to me. And and sometimes it makes me really happy. And sometimes I go into a miserable depression looking at myself doing something when I was 23. And and how completely and totally clueless
0: (laughs) I was. I can't wait to see this. Yeah, And, I will, and I the, the book is uh, loosely going to, of course, tell David's story, uh, which uh, if you've listened to Mind Rolling uh, with David and I, especially the early episodes, which David, I've listened to a couple recently, a little bit of because uh, one thing or another, I needed to. And uh, there's some, as I've said to you offline, there's some great fodder for, for stuff for the book there. Um, but... Um, Of course, David has had encounters with a remarkable array of different people from the sweeper uh, in the streets of Delhi to the uh, Prime Minister's office uh, to uh, I, uh, Tibetan Lama. I mean, just amazing stuff. And so. Rock stars. Lots of rock oh, stars. Oh, rock stars, right.
1: Yeah, I'm like a groupie. You know, it's funny, someone said, uh, it probably Oscar Wilde or something, but no, no, this is too non ironic for him, that you can remember everything if you're telling the truth. It's like when you're in court being accused of something or something, you know, just tell the truth. And And then I saw this wonderful Louis C.K. routine. When he says, why do parents, you know, admonish their children about lying? It's the most brilliant, miraculous mechanism. I mean, you've got someone you really don't want to see. And you, I just don't want to see this. person. I've given up on this. I can't, I can't see this person. And you say when she or he calls you, uh, no, I'm going to be an Australian on my tour then. And she goes, oh, Louis, I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, I am too. I'm sorry. I got to go. He said, look at that. Immediately, one lie done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a little Larry Davidish as well, right? It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but
1: but in in truth, writing this book is is, is truthful because it, you know, I mean, you never know if you're exaggerating or something. So I'm trying to be, you know, on the case. You know, for instance, when I, I met I met Richard Nixon, the President of Richard Nixon, twice, and uh, both experiences were really positive. And, and when I was growing up, this is a chapter in the book, when I was growing up in England, my father uh, didn't hate any of his a very lovable, loving person. But if there was one person he did hate, it was Richard Nixon, <laughs> you know. And I actually told Nixon this, which is very interesting, and how he responded to it. So, oh. you know, I remember it like it was yesterday. And it was actually 1968, uh, a few days before he announced for the presidency. And um, it's all those years ago, you know, and I remember it perfectly. Like it, like uh, so that's a real blessing, actually. Um, we that should I do, you
0: know, you know yeah. we should do after you get the book uh, in hand, we should do like serial the podcast, right?
1: I, exactly. read the book. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's, it is actually, you know, there's all kinds of ups and downs in it. It's not a particularly personal book, I'm not going to talk about my divorces and everything. I yeah. just want to talk about what epiphanies I got yeah. on whatever level, you know, because I see that when I read books about Sherry Saibaba or or Even Maharaji, whatever you know, there were moments even when they talk about having experience with another master, something which ignited something. So, if they can talk about it and they're advanced, wait a
0: minute. I never saw Shirdi Sai Baba write about another master. Well, well, in, well Maharaji didn't write any, neither of them wrote he, anything, but it's other he, people's. He report.
1: did write, he did write something actually where he met, yeah, not Maharaji, but um. Shirdi. I'm not talking about sort of meeting a master as much as they recount an experience which then acts as a, a you know, a parable to, a, to, to their immediate followers, yeah. which, you know, and they go, oh, that happened to you. In other words, you know, he spoke about, you know, getting really sick and, no, and nobody knowing that someone else in the village of Shirdi was sick. Nobody ever suspected the other person of being sick, but they knew that Sherry was sick, and he didn't tell anybody. And then he got better, but he was close to death for a week or two. And he told people about this, and then the person recovered. That's Mm -hmm. hopefully the end of the story there. (laughs)
0: Um, All right, well, moving forward a little bit, uh, I wanted to uh, bring back, our, and I I brought it back a couple of times while you were gone, but uh, not to any great avail, Uh, but the end of the world. Because we, we do have a, a, a pretty significant end-of-the-world stuff going on, and you have a lot of choices on that one, don't we? Um yep. But um, there's, of course, this, this uh, um, human being that uh, we have to get Ramdas put up on his um, puja table, I think, uh, alongside of some of the other people he's got there, uh, trying to find the, the real soul and have an appreciation for their incarnation as being tough. And that's the president of the Philippines. His name is Rodrigo Duterte, Duterte Jr. Okay. So he said um, you know, he's he's been going after uh, drug dealers and drug addicts. I don't know if you know this. He actually killed 3,000 uh, drug gotcha. dealers in, uh, uh, in the Philippines. And then he said uh, he's happy to slaughter 3 million addicts, just like Hitler did with the Jews. So he gets our award for end-of-the-world character of the month or something like
1: that. Oh, yeah. he's the wor- He he's, seems to have the worst incarnation on the planet, and he's got heavy competition. Yeah,
0: but, really you know, heavy competition. You know, but I, what's going I couldn't believe it when I
1: right, – Rago, I couldn't actually believe it. I was sort of astonished when I saw it on the news a month or two ago that he'd been elected. Never mind. Because he said before he did, like, you know, I've murdered someone and I'll kill anyone. And, I, you know, and everybody knew. And so that should give people pause at this time approximately one month before the election in the United States. So for those of you who are listening, 28 years later than this, say, sometime in the 2040s or 50s, yeah. we haven't yet elected the beast of Babylon, but uh, we're close. Okay. Uh, that's that's the end of the world. That's yeah. my end of the world. thing. Yeah. I actually okay. think you'll lose, but I, I mean, that may be just wishful thinking. Yeah, I look at the electoral college, and I think, okay, he's going to lose. And then I look at the polls, and I go, I, you know, he's nine votes behind her. So
0: there's yeah. also this other stuff, uh, you know, that you read about, and it's, some of it's very spurious, New Agey kind of thing, like the end of this age has come, and maybe you know he's going to lead us because things have. To, well, it is true, thing everything is impermanent, and things do, to change, things do sometimes go through a very radical process, which is, uh, incurs even far more suffering, which is why we don't want him anywhere near, uh, the old button, um, but, um, it's, it is possible that in, in the whole warp and woof of things that we have no idea about, there may have to be some, um, for change to really happen, and, and let's be honest. Uh, the way that the, the the government is now doesn't matter. Look at Obama, one of the I think one of the greatest presidents we ever had, uh, and just couldn't accomplish so many things, and was forced into things I would imagine just by the um, the lobbyists and the money and the just the the political uh, situation as it is, especially with the money. I mean, with the their ability to just uh, put money into what's that uh, supreme court ruling i forget what the name of it is citizens united citizens united yeah yes. especially with that so so who knows what we need to do to go through the to, through a change seems to me
1: yeah yeah i, I agree it seems to me like a, a a boil you know that you occasionally get and it's painful but eventually it bursts and with everything's being pushed to a degree of polar, uh, polarization i don't just mean you know democrat republican but people who are genuinely Loving, serving and remembering all over the world, not necessarily, you know, Ram Dass people, Maharaji people, just incra- in fact, in the Philippines, I saw that very brave women were on the streets uh, with signs saying no mass murder, no Hitler, uh, you know, against him. And I thought to myself, Wow, it's one thing to do that in, in you know, in in Atlanta or in Chicago or something. It's another thing to do it there, where he's talking about killing people openly and enjoying it. And these incredible women were out there with these signs saying, "You can't do this, you know. You you can't. Kill. They're drug addicts, drug dealers, whatever. But they're human beings first. What are you talking about?" So those polarities exist on the planet, and I really yeah. don't think that's a Pollyannish thing to say because. You know, we know we've talked about this many times, Roger. Right? There's yeah. so many people involved in trying to um, become as aware as possible of as much as possible of their being, and and that that involves uh, you know subek and oneness, and therefore, you know, Donald J. Trump is part of that too. And we, we it, the the test for me has been honestly. The, to just root out the rage in me that says, "Well, you know,
0: this yeah. is absolutely." That is it. It. It's all about that, and all that
1: his is. followers, all these women on television and men, but he seems to have mainly women now, who are talking, you know, the reverse of the truth constantly all day, uh, for the last six, fifteen months, and yet, on the other hand, we do have a fantastic prime minister in Canada, and you know, the whole thing—Desmond Tutu and Martin Luther King—and almost Gandhi and, and so on you know
0: yeah yeah um, the
1: pillar poli- you know
0: yeah well i think you just said it root out the anger the frustration the hate whatever it is as soon as the name just comes up i mean and that's uh...
1: i mean i had to make a promise to my wife and partner really she's my wife um you know some months ago that i would no longer be actually screaming at 6:30 in the morning when she was just going off to her work uh, saying that you know that basically I, I was I was you know uh, in an insane state of of, of, of uh, animosity towards the images I was seeing on, on the on the TV.
0: Apoplexia. Uh,
1: I have actually stopped. It was so unhealthy. But you know, hopefully we can all relax in approximately a month and go. Okay, now we can get
0: down to. Or or whatever, right? <laughs> Whatever. Or whatever. Or the big whatever. Well. Exactly. Okay, so the next part of uh, what I wanted to talk to you about was an article I shared with you. It's, it's called "To Cry or Not to Cry." It's written by a Tibetan Lama who's an incarnate tupu, meaning that he's, uh, uh, take uh, he is the uh, in this in this body uh, the. Um, you know there's no way to even say what the reality is because we don't know although <laughs> I have experienced meeting uh one of the, at least one of these uh, Tulkus that i and I, I had met his predecessor and and I knew which is the karmapa seventeenth and I had this i couldn't describe kind of feeling like holy shit this is the same thing I felt with his predecessor but there was a certain something That's amazing. and so there's no way of you know, understanding any of this stuff. But he wrote this uh, fantastic article. Well, I, Dave, I don't even know if I explained to you how this came up. I might have briefly, but uh, this, this came as a result of me talking to Krishnadas. Many of you know Krishnadas. Um, and he's on the uh, Be Here Now network as well. Uh, and we were talking about a situation where I was told or no he was told I'm sorry he was told it, it was about him doing a course and uh, you know a, an online course which are very very popular these days all sorts of different spiritual courses and so of course of course, what he was going to be doing would have the element of devotion in it naturally he's from he, we are from bhakti yoga tradition basically through Nimkaroli He was told by the company that he was, uh, his people were pitching and talking to. uh, Yeah, we'll do it because it's you, but we don't expect it to sell very well. Oh, really? Yeah, no, the only things that courses that sell well well, are the non-dual and Buddhist courses. The other things don't, you know, anything with devotion, you know, guru, uh, surrender, you know, all of that stuff, surrender. (laughs) It's just not happening today, Okay. I didn't say it like that. Uh, So he was like, can you believe this? He was saying to me, can you believe that? And I've had this told to me as well. And the reason that Ramdas does a little bit better is because he really, in the earlier days before his stroke, could elucidate this material and what it is to tread the spiritual path in a way few others have. And so, uh, so anyway, we had this discussion and he said, I got to send you something about it's it's a buddhist uh, a tulku a buddhist rinpoche a tibetan buddhist rinpoche who wrote an article about meeting one of his teachers uh whose name is dilgo Kensi rinpoche so so this again this this uh rinpoche his name is zong Kensi rinpoche and uh he uh, that it's not gonna do anything to say who his well we should just to give complete credit uh he was the tulku of Zongzar Kensy Choki Lodro. Okay, hard to say, but now that Choki Lodro apparently was very, very dear. This is because we're going to tell the story here to Kensy Rinpoche. Okay, and and David and I have talked about Kensy Rinpoche and quoted from his his books and so on. Do you have a good quote. Of yeah, this? it's
1: yeah. it's called it's called hundred verses of advice. Okay. And they're just astonishingly helpful. <laughs> this
0: was a six foot eleven man, huge man, who was basically a real bodhisattva. I mean, no doubt about that. Anybody who's been with him or met him or anything uh, knows that. Um, so, um, yeah, do do you want to read that a little just to give us an idea of who we're talking, or who Tsar, Kenshi Rinpoche is talking about in this article, to cry or not to cry? Do you want to do that?
1: Uh, from the article, you mean? No,
0: no, a quote from the uh, one oh, the of 100 the hundred verses. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. They're really about the perspective of of certain death, <laughs> and the and 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 the resultant deathlessness that occurs in consciousness because of that uh, cultivated perspective. Well, That's was what, the, uh, the,
0: the guy uh, who wrote? I forget the name of who actually wrote it. That that uh, Kensey wrote Oh, yes. it
1: was. Um, uh, it was actually. Um, Let me just look at it. It's well, I don't know because you're right. There's someone else, but it's 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 their version of it because then it was translated by someone else. But typically, I'm just going to choose them at random. There are a hundred, and
0: yeah, just give us one here. So now he's
1: talking to the people in his village. It was a place called Tingri, so every single one of these has got the word Tingri in it because he's actually sitting in front of them, talking it.
0: Um, just before this, he died, this lama, before he died, he gave his the people in the village 100 verses of advice.
1: Okay, number 46, which I just chose at random, he says, Enjoy that most sublime of riches, the treasure of the nature of mind, people of Tingri, which cannot ever be depleted.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, Simpli- and then his, so what's uh, Ken C. Rinpoche's... Uh, comments
1: he says um and that's one of the more the less scary ones because yeah. usually he's saying stop everything you're doing and all the stupid trivial nonsense distraction that are involved in, including any emotional attachment to anything and just remember you're gone soon that's his normal routine right yeah. okay he says of this with enormous effort and determination, you might manage to amass an immense fortune and innumerable possessions. But do you think you can keep hold of these riches forever? However, there are other kinds of wealth, resources such as wisdom, compassion, faith, generosity, and diligence, that multiply as fast as we use them. These precious jewels abound in the very nature of the mind and are free of all the shortcomings of samsara.
0: Right. Nice, yeah. Right. So Kenshi Uh and he he was a, just extraordinarily well acknowledged as being one of the great lamas. Uh, he he passed in ninety one, I believe. Yeah, not that long ago. So so that sort of sets sort of sets the stage. Now, no, many uh, the whole sentiment you'll get this. I think when I read some of this stuff, they. Um, so after barely surviving more than half a century of this hallucination of life having driven thousands of miles on some of the most treacherous roads in places like India and Bhutan having flown hundreds of thousands of miles around the world in flimsy airplanes having eaten who knows what kind of food from vendors in Bangkok or toxins camouflaged as high tea at the Peninsula Hotel I have come to realize that being able to cry is a gift. Okay, that sets the whole premise for this uh, particular... Uh, actually, he's writing a book. By the way, everybody, we're going to give uh, you, uh, when you go to uh, m- uh, Mind Rolling uh, for this episode with, with David, and uh, you go to the page, there will be a link, because he's. this is uh, episodes that he's writing for a book, actually, Dave. I think he's got four or five chapters, and you can actually read them up there. And so,
1: what, what, What's his name?
0: Uh, Zong-Sar, D-Z-O-N-G-S-A-R, Ken K-H-Y-E-N-T-S-E, Rinpoche. And so we're going to have all that information so you can follow and even help support what he's doing. He's doing amazing things. Um, so he he grew up where emotion was... But any kind of display of emotion was inauspicious. Um, I remember my grandfather scolding my grandmother because of her display, her display of emotion when I was uh, to leave to uh, another country to, for a visit was inauspicious. To see an adult crying, especially when it was someone I respected very much, must have made a strong impression on me because it is the strongest of the few memories I have of my grandmother, just seeing her cry once like okay? that. Uh, so that just gives you an idea of how that was really uh, frowned upon in in the uh, in this culture completely. Stoicism. I mean, these these were, uh, people were so steeped in. I mean, going to being in a monastery when you were five and, and and the most austere kind of life as a child. I mean, pretty amazing stuff. So, um, so he talks about meeting, uh, Dilgo Kenshi Rinpoche, uh, when he was five years old, he had just left his grandparents and he was on his way where he was about to be enthroned as the Tulku, um, of, of Choki Lodro, who was very, uh, who Kenshi Rinpoche was extraordinarily close to. Okay. Our group traveled from Bhutan in a dilapidated Mahindra jeep. I was was feeling like a real man because I hadn't cried when saying goodbye to my life as I had known it. I was looking forward. When we reached a crossroads at Singtung, there was a large gathering of people there to receive me. My attendants and driver became flustered and nervous, rolling up the window. Someone said, Ilgo Kensi Rinpoche is here to receive you. As the jeep slowed down amid crowds of people holding kata's scarves, I saw Rinpoche standing there in a cloud of swirling smoke offerings. <laughs> he was extremely tall and somewhat slim, not as large as he would become one day, and he was dressed up in fine robes. I was told much later that no one had ever seen him in such a robe, and even suspected he bore the clothing for the reception because he was very poor at that time. I was just a kid, but Rinpoche treated me with complete respect. Um, this, it was the first time I'd been in a European-made car. So he got in the car with Kenji Rinpoche, and, mm-hmm. and he was placed in Kenji Rinpoche's lap. Okay? That's when it started. It was almost a two-hour drive, and Kinsey Rinpoche wept like a child the entire way. This mm-hmm. giant man, who was so respected by everyone, completely dissolved in tears. Years later, I had heard that he told people that from the moment of seeing me in Singtum until he reached the palace, he felt the presence of uh, Cho- Choki Lodre, utterly, clearly, as if nothing had changed, and he could not help himself. Not long ago, Kenshi Rinpoche began to teach and give initiations. He gave a very important treasure teaching. Again, I watched in awe as he suddenly burst into tears in the middle of the teaching. He called for his attendant, who was also in tears. He immediately brought a very long scarf, which Mm -hmm. Rinpoche put around my neck. Usually, Rinpoche was like a mountain. Nothing moved him. Nothing made him flustered. He was the last person you'd expect to cry. This is a man six feet, 11 inches tall with the blood and bones of some of the most celebrated warriors of Kham in Eastern Tibet. His grandfathers were ministers of the kings of Durga. He inherited their bravery and elegance and was so magnetic, we can never really finish talking about his amazing qualities. But I can remember a few other occasions of Rinpoche crying, sometimes even bursting into tears and wailing like a child, really boo mm-hmm. He was also capable of exhibiting great joy beyond anything I had ever seen.
1: Um, you know, when here's let me I'm the
0: kicker for this, I'm because. He looks back on all of this, and I won't read the rest of it. This whole article, everybody, this is fantastic to to read this thing. When you think of the natural idea of of non-dualist Tibetan Buddhists or Buddhists in general of, of not having that heart, and you read something like this, and you see one of the greatest bodhisattvas of our time and the way how huge his heart was and how deep and how affected it, it, it was. And that's why he had this tremendous compassion for everyone who came around him. Um, as followers of Dilgo Kensi Rinpoche, we, of course, paid homage to Mipam Rinpoche and Manjushri, the, the great deities of Tibet. Um But our devotion was very casual. Our attitude was to venerate because we were supposed to venerate. We had never really witnessed this deep joy that Rinpoche was displaying, let alone experienced it for ourselves. I was astonished. It was not often that you see such a thing. And this is is the key of the whole thing. It just blew me away, this line. I now realize, by witnessing a real warrior, a larger-than-life giant, actually having tears, I had witnessed the embodiment of courage. Mm. Mm. Okay. I mean, yeah. <laughs> is there any, I mean, it's just you're stopped kind of, in your tracks when you hear yeah, that because yeah. people equate tears with with um, weakness, infirmity, um, all sorts of pejorative things, right? And then you know, if you read I, something I w- like this. Jesus, Go.
1: I I just wanted to add a, an anecdote, which hopefully is not doesn't trivialize any of that. It won't. <laughs> Um, I, I do a run and a walk. I've been doing the same one for decades. It, it's, it goes from where I live into the country. And there's a part of it at the beginning when there are many cars parked, and, you know, maybe 30 cars, and then it just goes into country. And about um, six weeks ago, I noticed there was a, a bright red Triumph TR4 sports car. And within a a picosecond, or whatever you call it, a nanosecond, I thought of my brother, whose last car before he passed was a bright red TR4. And when I saw it, I was at first just stunned. But then I've seen it many times since. And it's never moved because the guys it just seems to be dumped there. It's not like someone seems to be driving it. Every time I see it now, I burst into tears. And I'm not trying to stop myself. At first, I I was like so overwhelmed by the loss of my brother, who I really loved. He was a terrific, terrific friend to me. And then I suddenly found myself crying as I approached it, because I could see it. It's bright red. I could see it 100 yards away. And immediately, they'd be welling up. And I realized I hadn't grieved for my brother as much as I really should have, I don't think. I'd avoided it. I kind of repressed it. And this car, this damn car, has evoked in me memories of him that are not morbid and it's not sad at all. It's just, I feel like after he passed 17 years ago, and I just feel so close to him now because of this experience of just alighting upon an object that was immediately triggered a deep memory of riding in the car with him, driving fast on the M1, real fast, and and just loving him in the car so much. And now I have to see it every day. I, I saw it yesterday. I don't sort of start bawling in the street as much as I should, actually, because other people are there, you know. But the, it wells up. Yeah, yeah. Such a deep welling and such a, cathars- a catharsis, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, so two levels, this, uh, this article, this story about... Uh, uh, as long as I can see talking about him, I can see uh, the level of who he was as a human and the level of uh, how deep the devotion is on on Tibetan uh, men. Yeah, Tibet that's and in, yeah, that's
1: the other level.
0: Yeah, that's a huge thing that we have a... It's, it's wrong-headed both for people who, uh, shall we say, look askance at that seemingly lack of... Uh, heart expansion in, in some of the Buddhist teachings and there's criticism on that especially from love and light Hindus us uh, and then uh, the uh, just the, the, the reality of how we suppress our emotions and we suppress because it, as the same it was obvious, very very prominently in Tibetan culture that nobody cried in the music, weakness, a sign of weakness. That I think is universal and, and more prominent in, in some cultures other than others. And it, but I think it's a human uh, instinct, it is very prominent for us to poo-poo that and put it down and, you know, how many times, I'm sorry, I'm crying, you know, I mean, and we're talking about- Yeah, people crying, say that. Yeah, isn't? we're talking about crying for joy. Mm. Uh, crying for—it's uh, not crying out of, uh, of pain. Here, we're talking about expressing oneself beyond uh, beyond a direct uh, incident of grief, shall we say? Yeah, it's not no. about that. And, no, and, and, uh, someone like this—it's about devotion. I mean, you know, someone like well, I mean, Krishnanauts gave me this article, so we can talk about him for a second, but. I have, there's actually an extraordinary, we should play this, uh, maybe you will. There's, uh, On. I think both of you and I, both you and I uh, agree, I think we love one of his records in uh, particular, uh, which is the one that Rick Rubin produced, um, one of the two that he produced, which is mostly prayers, Door of, uh, is it Door of Faith? I think it's Door of Faith. Yeah, um, and uh, he does the uh, Guru Arti on it. You remember that? Yeah, I do. And it's done beautifully, and the instrumentation and, and everything's just fantastic. But there's one point in it, he's really in it, and you can hear him begin to cry. Mm. Mm. I mean, he 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 zooms through it, so to speak. He doesn't, you know, but. Obviously, Rick said, "No, let's keep that in there. It's so real and so honest." And and how many times have we seen that happen with him, in in uh, especially in, in just care times and so on, or telling a story? Uh, he'll tell a story about uh, Maharaja, which is the same as as Kenshi Rinpoche has this five-year-old child on his lap that is the who who is the embodiment of his previous teacher, and he can actually completely feel that and 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 just express himself that way, knowing what he knows. It's just, to me, it's staggering. So there's that level of it, and there's the level of allowing ourselves to be with uh, expressing ourselves that way, which is very, very difficult for many, many people.
1: Well, yeah, particularly for people brought up in sort of puritanical and, and very stru- class structures and stiff upper lip and that nonsense – which we now know is is very difficult to overcome. You think you can just say, "Well, that's ridiculous," and then you're okay. You're open, and your heart is open. I'm, I'm struck by the fact that within that, within what you just said, and, and and what this article is about, and who it's about, therein is 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 the heart that would be denied by uh, non-dualists who would say, "Well, you know," because therein is the heart. How much more heart could you have than to be? Overwhelmed by not only a master, but by something like Manjushri, who's a deity, who, you know, we're talking about a deity. And and so the devotion to that opens the heart. The master cries, you know, he's at one with that. It's so, I mean, it's such heart. Yeah. It's complete heart. It's the, you know, and I must say that, uh, you know, uh, We're lucky enough to have all these great teachers wandering through our lives now from Tibet and other places. And they, the ones that I've come across, everybody from uh, Trungpa onwards has has not particularly espoused the idea of, you know, devotion being dualistic and therefore um, ultimately not, you know, not the ultimate. I guess is what I'm saying, but n no, i you know it's hard to talk about this because it's so overwhelming what's in this article uh you know the 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 connection of this master, this six foot eleven warrior yeah, super person, you know because of his consciousness and how completely amazing he is. Being able to cry, where you know, I mean, it's it's really hard to articulate it without sort of, you know, harming it somehow. It's so amazing. I mean, my my version of it is that I get I get that way, you know, in certain ways, you know, certainly with masters, but also other ways that just break your heart quickly and and mend it. You know, they, what is who was it said that that Leonard Cohen said. You know, that little breakage of the heart allows the light in, to
0: come in. Yeah, that's a you great light.
1: You know, that's not a quote, but that's what he meant, I think. Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, and a if crack, any it was
0: the crack, crack. Yeah, the
1: crack. And and you know, this Rinpoche was completely cracked. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, there was nothing left except the connection, the heartfelt connection to his to his iconic reminder. <laughs> you know, I don't know. These words are just so
0: yeah. fucking you know, stupid. You know? Well, you talk about... Um, so we're talking here about non-duality or, or Buddhist uh, philosophy and thought and no, you know, no soul, no self, all of that, uh, which would seem to preclude having any kind of devotion, of course, the Tibetans do. And this is just, you know, five-star proof of it with Kenshi Rinpoche. Mm -hmm. And and then you just mentioned, so, yeah, the idea of the the dualistic nature of that would seem to indicate, ultimately, that has to be transcended. Again, you know, what's a perfect example of this is uh, Ramakrishna Paramahansa. Right. Who was... Constantly going into complete utter bliss trance, engaging with mother. By the way, everybody, Durga Puja just started last night. We have to, you know, we have to say Namaste to mother and honor her uh, from October first for nine days, just along with uh, Rosh Hashanah, which uh, starts tonight. Uh, you'll probably hear this uh, episode in about a week. So uh, by the time we hear it, it will be towards the end of Durga Puja, still get a chance. But, um, so the, the issue of ultimately, so Ramakrishna, he so he had all these experiences. So he said, uh, a teacher came and uh, um, a very advanced teacher, you remember this day reading uh, Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, that said, I can take you into the non dual. You know, you can get out of this duality thing and experience the non the the ultimate reality. And so she took him through whatever exercise, I don't know what they did. I mean he was pretty much there anyhow, so I guess it wasn't <laughs> that big a deal, but he went into this space where there was no subject or object, right? And then he, he, he got angry. No, I don't want to be here. I want to always enjoy the worship of Mother Kali. And he rejected that whole thing in order for him to continue that relationship, which mm-hmm. I kind of, I think that, yeah, <laughs> I get it. I get it. It is so powerful, to, uh to have your heart uh, merge with that which is beloved, uh, of course, having had that experience um, with a, a few of these things, uh, it's just something that would be difficult to, get up, to give up. But then I did a podcast. Was, were you there? I can't remember if you were there. With Roshi Halifax? No, I think it was Duncan. Duncan and I did a podcast with Roshi, Roshi Joan Halifax. And we we're talking about just this subject. And she goes, Yeah, it's good. Devotion, subject, object, good. Eventually, it's gotta go. All right. I, I said, Well, okay, maybe for advanced she was saying, Yeah, you can do it. I said, Well, look, maybe for advanced beings like you, who can go into the core of, of the Zen uh Kowai and and live there um but for you know people like me, they have got many another ten billion lifetimes to go um uh, probably uh, uh yeah, no, oh, she goes don't be silly of course anyhow we had this whole no, it, it,
1: you know, it reminds me of something you, you I went to some exhibit of of, of uh, tibetan and, and 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 himalayan basically Malian art, and it was all pure lands right it wasn 't you know, Mahakala or anything like that. It was the Pure Lands exhibit. Mm -hmm. So as I'm going from picture to picture, I'm just in the Pure Lands. This is enough for me. This is fine. I'll take that. But in truth, uh, many of the Rinpoche's would say, well, that's nice if you really want that. But that's not it. That's not it. My attitude is, well, it feels pretty good to me. I mean, compared with living in, you know, Kumbaya, whatever. I mean, just going through the Kaya's. I mean, if you go through the three kayas, you know, at the end of it, is mnemonic kaya an Advaitic absorption? Is, it, uh, is that love so great that we can't even imagine it until we are it? These are, Still, it gets back to that heart, the heart of loving love. The universe is love, so you love it. So what are you loving? What are you actually loving here? You're loving a guru who brought to you this profound change transformation caused by love. So none of it is
0: loveless. No, it can't be. And that's obvious. But more to the point is, okay, so there are different paths, non dual path, the Buddhist path, the path of devotion, the path of Gyan, which is like the non dual path of the Buddhist, the path of no self, the path of the soul. I mean, they're all different expressions. There's only one thing ultimately, and well, many ways to get there. Obviously, that's all true.
1: Let but, me read number 71. Of, okay, 71. Of, of is... Number 71 is I just picked it up and I opened it. and said, Deluded talk will fade without a trace, like echoes. People of Tingri, in sound, there is nothing to be grasped. Okay. Um, and I want to read its little explanation. Yeah. We like to hear compliments. If someone praises you, you want them to say more, and the whole world to hear. On the other hand, faced with criticism or malicious rumors, you would move heaven and earth to prevent those words from being heard and spreading far and wide. In reality, however, praise and blame are only empty sounds unworthy of the slightest attention. It is as ridiculous to be troubled by them as it would be to swell with pride or take offense or the, or the echoes sent back by a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> by a cliff. By a cliff. You know, they're echoes, or they're just echoes and stop. You know, again, back to our present that we're living in now, future people are listening to this. You know, I'm watching Meet the Press, and I'm watching people talk about total and absolute nonsense, even in that forum. They're not even talking political level now they're talking some kind of national Enquirer level and i'm thinking oh, this is so horrible this is horrible ah. but it is you know part of the progression of this uh, form of life <laughs> <laughs> and and it too will pass and so will yeah. we yeah that, you know.
0: that's always comforting <laughs> it too will pass and so are we that's our new mantra today but uh <laughs>
1: Like, I'm obsessed with it because you know, when you get yeah. to a certain age, it's like, okay, I feel good tonight. That's good. Hope I wake up in the morning. Or maybe I don't. I mean, I, whatever <laughs> you will, whatever is thy will, you know. And and don't don't fight it too much because whenever anybody quotes that Dylan Thomas thing about going into the night or whatever, kicking and screaming, I can't quote anything. I'm, I'm useless. But his most famous thing is from that poem where he, he talks about when I die, I'm going to go in with, you know, with anger at the whole design of the universe, which is making me die. And uh, fortunately, Ramakrishna and Maharaji and others are there to um, let us know a deep, much, much deeper
0: Reality. awareness. Yeah. No, thank God for that. But uh, back to this thing.
1: Of, um Yeah, I keep distracting. That's why you kicked me off the show.
0: I wanna <laughs> uh, oh my kill myself.
1: No, I, I I have to retract that. That was a joke. <laughs> oh, it, was a, it, was a joke. it really was a joke. Um, uh, not no, a nice eh? was a nice joke though. No. Um, gave you, gave you discomfort for a moment.
0: No, Which I don't. I don't no, 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 no. After all these years, uh, no, please, uh, please go back to uh, to this. Yeah, no, no. So I'm just going back to the fact of these differences in ways people can come to a place within them that is, as Ram Dass says, as joy, wisdom, consciousness, loving awareness, and compassion. And that's what, okay. That's I think everybody wants to aspire to that. That that, that has any idea that we are not just our minds and emotions and, and all of that. So, so the different ways that we can come to that are extraordinarily varied. But uh, reading this article, to cry or not to cry, from, from Zongso.
1: Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Given that we know that a major pillar or component of Buddhist following uh, teaching is altruism and always has been it's not like that just turned up like you know for us that, yeah. doesn't that actually automatically imply devotion to all sentient beings uh, as well as to, you know to that so isn't that already uh, takes out the dryness of everything because that's
0: yeah
1: compassionate yeah. altruism or are, are linked Completely.
0: Not to be uh, too critical, but I do think, uh, on on behalf of the uh, non dualists or, or Buddhists or some Buddhists, some non. I mean, this is you cannot talk across the board. There's plenty of uh, Hindu Advaitists and Hindu uh, devotional people that are uh, not sincere. I mean, there's they're, they're not. It's not that they're not sincere. They're just not having come to a place where there's enough sincerity about and honesty, which is another reason why Ram Dass is so popular. Um, but, um, so I, th- I just think that uh, the, the difference really is minimal in, in all of this. And, and the fact that uh, those attributes would indicate, as you're saying, uh, a soft heart, right? Yeah, just that virtue alone would indicate a soft heart. I think where it goes left for 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 people is is in any relationship with uh, somebody, something outside, supposedly outside yourself. So, I mean, for me, I needed uh, Maharaj Neem Bama to hit me over the head so I, I would understand that I was not my mind and emotions. That there was another. I mean, I got it from acid, certainly. But mm-hmm. then I got it in spades in, in that situation in a way I could never, I needed to get that. And, um, and I, but at this level, I do understand the, the fact that um, the, to me, it's not about worshiping something outside myself. And, and it's taken a long time to even get a kernel of the idea of what that Maharaji thing is or what that Shirdi thing is has nothing to do with, and the greatest uh, story about that is Lama Surya does. I met Maharaji, but before I met the body, I was in another room, and I met the, the real thing, the big Maharaji, he called it. Mm. That mm. thing that is available to all of us, that's, the devotion is to, to me, it's like that, the divine presence we all carry, and to, the the idea of devotion is to merge that divine presence and understand God Guru self, as Ramana Maharshi said, are inside us. It's not outside us. So, that that's always a, a, an issue with people who criticize the the devotional path in my mind. Um, and and in another way, of course, people can uh, interpret it wrongly, and 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 the people that are using a guru or using a teacher or whatever in that way, but not um, perhaps with enough uh, what they call uh, vairag in, in Hinduism, spiritual discrimination, right? Mm-hmm. And the fortunate part of what we were given by Maharaji is is certainly he had us there at at uh, Hinayana Buddhist, at, at, uh, at Buddhist meditation and, and studies. He had us there with Tibetans and, 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 and certainly would, would talk in praise of, of somebody like uh, Kalu Rinpoche. Um, and vice versa. I just read uh, Larry Brilliant's uh, new book, uh, Sometimes Brilliant, by the way. Fantastic book. It's coming out uh, mid-October, I think. Um, and he talked about his experience with Karmapa, who was another one of, of those uh, bodhisattvas. Uh, siddha, you know, a real... Uh, a master who and and the definition of that is is people who were living in non-duality yet in a physical body and could express all express all that love and compassion in a way that was um, was what we're talking about here when we when we read this story of Kensie Rinpoche absolutely just falling apart on hearing a dharma talk or handling and being given a small little statue that that was uh, mm. from from back in the ages with with the uh, manjusry uh, uh, of manjusry i mean just so there there it's very difficult to um, to from both points of view to be honest and true to oneself it's very difficult and it takes a lifetime but I think this article is in two ways as we've already discussed uh, To cry or not to cry Mm. and uh the idea of these this powerful yogi basically that could open his heart that way and and around anybody without any shame or anything that is just staggering and uh ultimate uh, it's the ultimate thing as far as i'm concerned and then just on the level of you and i you know, opening our hearts in and, and that story you told of your, of your brother and seeing that car and being triggered and allowing yourself to just be in that moment, not out of uh, grief or anything, out of love. I think that's... Uh,
1: but it's scary. a learning process because I think if if the guy had driven the car away in that particular story, you know, I would have forgotten it. But it's not, as there. So I see it every time and I, I walk and run frequently. So, you know, yeah, I think 20 years ago or something, I would have just... Said, okay, I'm not going to cry. Mm-hmm. And that's just mm-hmm. this, this level of life, this incarnation of where we're at, know. you know, and, and you don't cry. I mean, yeah, you know, my mother died in my arms. I was holding her. I knew she was going to die because I'd been with her for three months just in this small cottage in Sussex. And uh, I'd watched her breathing for all that time, whatever, you know. But then a certain kind of breathing happened, and I remember reading something about that breathing. And I was holding her, you know, and she died and she was gone. And um, crying doesn't cover it. You know, it was just I put her down, you know, and then I just sat there and I couldn't cry. I had to go and get my sister who was in the back garden, bring her in. Mm. You know, and then when we both came in there. And then my other sister arrived, and we we, all three, and we just, you know, we were just sitting crying, 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 crying. And what are you crying? Well, you miss the person, but also there's something goes on. You've talked about this a lot, Raghu. A couple of years ago, you were talking about the change that happens and with the dying uh, to you as well as obviously to the person that's passing, but this enormous sort of epiphany and opening of the heart that almost can't exist for us in any other, hardly. you know, yes, a, a loved one gets killed or something, and my God. but that's the level that we're at, mainly. And then, you know, um, you spoke of KD., you know, keeping the crying time in the, in the prayer, in door of faith. That's the next level. And then after that, it, it's, who are the masters crying for? Well, they're really crying for everyone.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, that we have to go through this life of, of, you know, earthquakes and hurricanes and hurricanes of consciousness and all the stuff that we experience in the earth, wow, you know. And someone's crying for us and, uh, you know, and thank, the, thank the Lord.
0: Yeah. Courage, it, 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 this, uh, the way that this comes up, for uh, Zongsa, the, the how he expressed that ultimate, this is ultimate courage. And and I've told this story a billion times before, and I won't tell the whole story, but also to do with Maharaji saying to Krishna's courage is a very important thing, which belied, because the Indian that was in the room said, courage, what, what do you mean courage? It's the guru's grace, and that's it. You, know, you don't have to do anything, you know, courage, Maharaji turned to him and pointed his finger and went, Courage is a very important thing. And Krishnas has had that his whole life. And, and uh, Just me hearing it too, I mean, I have contemplated on that a lot. So when I hear, uh, I now realize by witnessing a real warrior, a larger-than-life giant, actually having tears, I had witnessed the embodiment of courage. I mean, that's really something to contemplate. For us, I don't care if you're a non-dualist, a dualist, <laughs> whatever the hell you are, in any walk of the path. That that is, uh, just think of that: the courage, in this case, to express that deep, deep love with those tears. And and like you just said, what are the, what are the masters expressing? It's a love for and on behalf of all of us. And and it's not. Individual, uh, it, it, I, I would say this, it is individual, and it's also universal. I think that's the beauty of these beings who have gotten beyond their limited selves. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, I, I just, uh, yeah, it's like, you know how many times I say to people, <laughs> like, this is, they're crying. There's no crying in baseball. Remember that line <laughs> from a league of their own?
1: Tom yes, Hanks I says, yes, the "Woman great. in
0: the dugout, yeah. crying in the crying." <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, there is crying in baseball. Okay, that's it. I got to, you know, I have to get myself reoriented. Thinking <laughs> whatever the hell I was thinking when I—I've said that more than once to people too. Start weeping about something. Like no, it I happens. I was them. taking a shower
1: last week and I'm listening to this Bob Dylan cutting-edge hundred-song collection that I have, and it was you know, and it was Bluetoothing into the bathroom, and it came to a version of Desolation Row that i never heard, because i never listened to the album all the way through, but there are like seven versions of Desolation Row and out of the songs, three four hundred songs, it was never my absolute favorite, honestly, but this was a completely different version, done at the time in 68 67, 66, 65 God knows, and I'm I'm wet, you know, I'm in the shower and I'm listening, and suddenly I burst into tears, really, ah! <laughs> because it, the, it just was such a different version and it was so fantastic it was like I discovered it for the first time and you know I'm a bit of a Dylan lunatic and I, I just why was I crying I don't know it was just so heartfelt what he was singing it was so intense you know different from the one that was on the, on the CD <laughs> on, the, on the album <laughs> but that seemed trite but you know why do you burst into tears what is going on well it's a healing process we know that we know that the actual physiology and the biology of it is that it does release certain toxins. And something comes out of your eyes. I mean, it could be coming out of your ears, it could be say, a wax in your ears, it falls out, or it could be hair falling, or it could but no, it's not. It's H two O with salt in it coming out of the orbs of your eyes or the eyes. And it signifies love and absorption and oneness. It does no matter what, if someone's crying
0: Well, there's different levels of it Well, I mean, no, 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 we, we're crying about the this, giant this thing.
1: Again, it's not, it, I'm not talking about that that's madness for you <laughs> I, think <we> should, <laughs> I think you should stop doing that, but, you know um, Tears there's a great Los Lobos song, which I can't remember what it is but it's called, I think it's called Tears of Rain or Tears of the Mother or something, it's a beautiful really? devotional prayer type Los Lobos song. It begins with the word tears. and uh, We've
0: got to get that. Okay, we've got to find that. Everybody out there, we're going to find that. Oh, it's, so find
1: beautiful. It, it's so beautiful. It's I'll look for it. I yeah, will. Please. Because I have got everything. put it up on
0: the page alongside yeah. of uh, all these other things that we've been talking about. So yeah, we're at the end of the old uh, hour here. Oh, really? Yeah, just flies by, right? <laughs> Especially when we haven't done it in a while.
1: Yeah, well, um, yeah. Uh, well, thank you for having me on the... Um, on the, As Brian Williams would say, on the broadcast. <laughs> when did Brian. people stop using the word broadcast, Brian? Like yeah. 25 years ago. But I love you, Brian. You're yeah. cool. Look where he oh. ended
0: up. Yeah, um, exactly. On MSNBC. Uh, well, it could,
1: uh, could be worse. He could, <laughs> it could be could just be podcasting worse. into nowhere. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> No, no. We're, we're doing good. So uh, this is Mind Rolling on the Be Here Now Network and.
1: No, I didn't mean that my drawing is podcasting, network, but if Brian actually decided to do a podcast, you know, those are the people who get like 8 million Yes, yeah, right. actually, in truth, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, and, they're,
0: they're brands that are on national television, it would make sense.
1: Exactly. But it's it's so, you know, you're we're close with this. Yeah.
0: Well,
1: thousands,
0: hundreds. <laughs> well, what is it now? Uh, yeah, it's like uh, maybe going forty, fifty thousand 50,000 a month, something like that. So that's pretty good. Well, whatever it is, whoever wants it to. And by the way, everybody out there, please comment and ask us what it what else there is you want to hear about in terms of topics and people and all that and what you think of any of this stuff. We want to, want to communicate a little bit more. And uh, and of course, uh, again, go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash mindrolling. You'll see everything that we're talking about on the page. It links to uh, Donsar Kensi Rinpoche and the fantastic book that he's working on. Uh, in this particular uh, little piece that I, I read a couple of excerpts from and uh and everything else all the music uh, uh there 's a Dylan song that um david from what, what album, i wouldn 't get to play that but uh,
1: it's well it 's on infidels, infidels. and it 's called man of peace and um it 's an not just dylan 's normal band it 's an amazing band which i won 't even try and describe and it 's just beautiful but it 's about um you know to be discriminating about who you think is a man of peace mm. or isn't mm. and what that's about. It's really quite
0: amazing. Oh, okay, great. So we have all of that. So please go. And, and obviously if you're going to buy any of this stuff, uh, buy it from uh, the uh, the link on uh, Be Here Now net for Amazon, put that bookmark up there, which I hope you've done. We need a little bit more uh, on that particular side, not to mention whatever else you can do, and we want to hear from you. And we're going to hear, uh, we're going to David, we're going to hear from you again. All right.
1: Yep. yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I'd so, be delighted. Yeah. All
0: right, folks. See you next week. Bye, David.
1: Bye. Bye.